everybody, it's Daisha. In this episode, I am going to be talking to Sayun Thorsten's daughter, an Icelandic cellist, all about the turvy topsy world of Icelandic classical music, or as they call it in Iceland, music. I've yet to go to Iceland, but Iceland Air, if you're listening, I'm accepting airline tickets. I'm totally fascinated by Iceland, have been for a long time, and there's a really interesting music scene happening there in new classical, but I'd never actually known much about Iceland's musical past. And I thought that what Sayun taught me in this episode about the evolution of music on this once isolated island nation was really refreshing, much like jumping into a pool of ice water. P.S. At the time that we're putting this out, which is on November 5th, 2018, um, there is a big musical festival about to take place in Iceland called Iceland Airwaves. It happens every year in Reykjavik. There's all kinds of great music that's going to be happening there, um, including classical music. So look it up online. If you get a chance, you might be able to hear some stuff. Anywho, don't forget to subscribe to, rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Tell your friends, your family, your pets about us. Do a little dance. All right. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Classical Classroom is sponsored by Maestro Classics, which now offers orchestral scores and parts for rent. What does this mean? Let's find out. These arrangements for narrator and orchestra are perfect for family concerts. If you're a conductor, you play in an orchestra, or you'd just like to hear something new in your local orchestra's family program, visit maestroclassics.com and send them a message. Available scores include The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Juanita and the Spanish Lobster, the best title ever, and a special one-hour edition of the Nutcracker Ballet with music from Acts 1 and 2. Learn more at maestroclassics.com and remember to save 17% on all CDs and MP3s with the code CLASSROOM, because our listeners are the bomb. And now, FORUM, which is sort of how you say, let's go, in Icelandic. There's a rumor going around that classical music can be hoity-toity. But here in the classical classroom, we beg to differ. Beethoven 5. <laughs> the idea that classical music is a zone where we have to feel restricted or we have to act in a certain way, you know, that's not going to be helpful going forward. <laughs> Isaiah is shaking with excitement oh, here. I mean, there's just so many great parts of the opera. He asked me to play his favorite spot in the first moon of the Brahms. And then he said, I started using those licks in my guitar solos. How to be classical music rock stars because there's not enough of that in this business. Occasionally I would plug in the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> I don't change my voice. And talking to classical I, music. <laughs> I'm playing classical music now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same 12 notes. That's what's so cool about it. I'm Daisha Clay, a classical music newbie, and I'm trying to learn all I can about the music. Come learn with me and the classical music experts I invite into the classical classroom. Hi, I'm Daisha Clay, and I'm here in the studio with Icelandic cellist Sayun Thorsten's daughter. She's a soloist who has appeared with major orchestras worldwide, a chamber musician, and among many other things, is a faculty member at the University of Washington in Seattle, where she teaches cello and chamber music. Sayun was born in Reykjavik, Iceland, and is quite involved in Iceland's classical music scene there now, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So, uh, first, I think it's important to point out that you do not sound like Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I can put on the accent if you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I just assume everybody knows her in Iceland. Well, it's a very small country. It's a very small country. It's yeah. true. Yeah. But um, the reason I don't have an accent is actually I moved to the States when I was seven. Mm-hmm. So they say, I've been told, that if you're um, immersed in a language before you're 12, your brain kind of wraps itself around it differently. Yeah. So um, I think I just mimicked the yeah. English, Americanness of it. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I, I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. And people are often confused that I don't have a Southern accent. So, you know, I also learned English from uh, television and music <laughs> there you go so so let's talk a little bit about you and your story you're born in Reykjavik as we established so talk about how you got from there to Seattle well it's been uh kind of a, a back and forth journey so as I said I moved well my parents moved to the states when I was seven yeah my dad was uh, doing some school stuff and then we moved back to Iceland and then we moved back to the States. But I did my sort of undergrad in Cleveland and uh, my master's at Juilliard and have lived in New York until I moved here a couple years ago. So it's been kind of back and forth. Did you move here because you got the faculty position at UW? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Had you ever spent any time here? No. In fact, well, that's not true. I, I came for one concert, a couple, I think about four years, five years ago. Mm-hmm. But when I bought my current cello Uh the seller told me you know if you ever need any work done on it you really should go to seattle because there's this great guy here that works on cello rafael caraba Mm -hmm. and i i just thought to myself like oh when am i gonna ever get to seattle (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious and then of course life happens yeah i am that's that's awesome well like got you into classical music was it just music that you grew up with or yeah so my mom's a violin teacher and player and um I think I mean I was like four or five and I think I just wanted to be with everyone you know and kind of do what everybody else was doing and but she didn't want to teach me Mm -hmm. so she kind of (laughs) she kind of uh uh, pushed me onto one of her friends, <laughs> who was the cello teacher. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> who taught me how to sit still for ten seconds? Uh-huh. You know those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. So you were like, "Mom, I want to hang out with you," and your mom was like, "Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't you go hang out with that lady?" Yes. <laughs> and that's why you became a cellist. Wow. Well, um, what is your? I, I know you're doing a lot of work are you still kind of going back and forth between the states and iceland i go back to iceland at least two or three times a year okay it's been hard especially as my travel sort of concert schedule has been a little bit more hectic in Mm -hmm. the past couple years but i try to go back as much as i can and i definitely am inspired by what's happening there so i try to continue to um have that connection yeah well and i want to get into that but i think before we talk about what's going on in the Icelandic music scene now. I want to talk a little bit about the history of classical music in that country. So where do we start? (laughs) Well, I think what's interesting to know, at least um, I think from sort of the American perspective, is that Icelandic classical music didn't exist before the 20th century. Wait a minute. (laughs) So this is a really old country. 
super old. Yeah. And not to say there, w- there wasn't music, uh-huh. but it was more text-based and uh-huh. more chant-like. Like there, there, so people would sing the poems. You know, we have a really deep, rich oral history yeah, yeah. of like epic poems and and like the sagas and and all these mm-hmm. types of things. And and there's a very traditional way in which you perform them, uh-huh. and that includes like melody and sort of like kind of like medieval chant type thing like where yeah. you have um sort of fourths and fifths and it kind of sounds medieval you know yeah. that kind of thing and of course there's music but not in the sort of academic classical you know we didn't have a baroque era mm-hmm. simply because we were poor and didn't <gasps> have those instruments and you know we i guess what we have to remember is that i mean people were still living you know in the 19th century in grass and mud kind of huts and and like it really for us you know there was one ship that came from Denmark Mm -hmm. in the fall and one ship in the spring and other than that we've been so isolated for thousands of years that uh, we've really kind of developed in a different way than the rest of the world kind of like the Galapagos you know how they kind of like have their own (laughs) we've kind of sprouted up into our own kind of um, way I think well, and that is so interesting in so many ways, like that sort of concentration, the the being isolated and and sort of creating your own thing, mm-hmm. like it can it can make for such a such an interesting. I mean, there's so much cross pollination in the rest of the world. It's really hard to to isolate a culture and really look at it and look at what its um, particular contributions have been and and that kind of thing, but. That's really interesting. So, yeah. so you guys kind of just didn't. The classical music hadn't just hadn't come there. It, 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 yeah, and then well, it's harsh reality, right? Yeah. We're a tiny island in the middle of the North Atlantic. It's cold. People are dying of famine. You know, like uh-huh. it's it's a it's a rough existence. It's not uh-huh. a um, there. There was no high society. Uh-huh. And when you think about like Renaissance um, classical music. That was for rich people. Yeah. <laughs> Elite, right? Right, yeah. So to be played in either if it wasn't the church, it was the courts or the, you know, it was a very fancy thing. And mm-hmm. we'd certainly have folk music um, and definitely folk songs and, and, and that tradition is very rich. But in terms of like a classical tradition, mm-hmm. our first sort of pioneer classical composer was Jon Leifs, and he went to Europe in the early 20th century and um, actually lived in Germany for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of the first, I would say, composer of note. compelled him to leave like had something changed at that point in the economy or like what was going on well it's interesting because i think there are a couple of changes i think we were getting more independent Uh as a country 
starting to become a little bit more, I wouldn't say well off, but, but they're, you know, just sort of culturally shifting away from the hardships of mm-hmm. the 19th century. And in the 20th century, ex- actually exactly 100 years ago is when we started to break away from the Danish king. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. Only 100 years ago? 1918. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we didn't get our independence until 30 years later. So for us, it, it, you know, it started this movement of like really starting to think about, well, what is our culture Mm -hmm. and what is that like? And what's the people had gone to Denmark for schooling and all of that stuff. Certainly around that time, that became a a thing to do for Mm -hmm. people to not only do business, but also get training there but this was sort of our first composer interesting so what happens when he goes over there and lives in germany and then comes back how does that change things well i think it starts kind of this idea that somebody can be a composer like you know Mm -hmm. a lot of it was a farming and fishing kind of Uh culture before that and then we start to see sort of a development and it's still the truth today, actually, that, you know, even if you're a musician, you are also a high school teacher or you are right. a scientist or <gasps> yeah. you are. A, and, and certainly writers in, in, mm-hmm. in Iceland, I mean, they have this uh, saying that, either, you know, if you're Icelandic, half the population is an author and the other half is a composer. <laughs> it's just a very culturally rich population because I think we've been so isolated. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the long winters, I mean, there's just so much time where you're in the dark, not much you can do. Yeah. Got to keep warm, got to keep inside, well, you know, that kind of thing. describe the Icelandic winter, I mean, we're here in Seattle where we're, we're in the midst of winter. It, the sun is, starts to go down at around 3.30 by 4.30. It's totally dark. Sun is not back really until like 8. And it's raining and it's cloudy. And that definitely has an impact on the way that people kind of move through the world, but also mm-hmm. on, you know, you just wind up hibernating. Exactly. Like a bear. So, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> so, but, but what's, what's it like there? So it's basically Seattle, except colder. Oh, so you feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> I do in a lot of ways. There are lots of Scandinavians actually in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, it's similar in that it's sort of a, fishing, lots of culture around fishing, yeah, which we can talk about, which is endlessly fascinating also. And also that kind of northern thing with the light, you know, where yeah. where that becomes so precious in the winter and so abundant in the summer. Yeah. And I think in some ways that has a significance in the way that you live your life, not just, like you said, hibernating and stuff like that, but... Mm-hmm taking advantage of what you have in the moment that you have it yes right yeah like and the fishing you know Uh either either the the catch is great or it's not and there's sort of a psychology that goes with that as well and and then add isolation to that Mm -hmm. and add thousands of years of this sort of you know sagas and this kind of like literary tradition yeah and you get this kind of interesting mix of um yeah. creative people yeah what an interesting like bunch of ingredients to throw into a place and then like seal it off and <laughs> see what happens like a little petri dish is your website looking a little 2005 
Do people on mobile devices have to zoom in to read the words on it? Check out the new Classical Classroom website at classicalclassroomshow.com to see an example of the work our friends at NewY can do for you. They can also help you with promotion to make sure the world knows about your shiny new website and that your business exists. For more info, go to classicalclassroomshow.com slash NW. That's N as in new and W as in Y. All right, now back to my chat with Sayun Thorsten's daughter. So to say the composer's name again. Jon Leifs. Jon Leifs. He was kind of our first okay. guy. Yeah. Okay. So what happens after him? So you said people like he kind of introduced this notion that one could be a composer. How did that change things and like what started happening? Well, we're certainly seeing a lot of um, in the middle 20th century. I think that sparked kind of a sea of composers helped that the Iceland Symphony was started, I think, in the 60s. So, you know, after the World War, definitely our whole life changed with the opening of the airport. Uh-huh. The American Army, uh, Navy had a base near Reykjavik. And it just sort of, all of a sudden, we went from backwards fishing villages mm-hmm. to modern times. Yeah, And that extreme change sparked a lot of people going abroad mm-hmm. for the first time and coming back and that kind of cross-pollination started yeah. happening and in great ways and not great ways i mean of mm-hmm. course there's always but it's just been growing exponentially since then uh-huh. and certainly wonderful composers like Jon Nortal and um one of my favorites because he's a cellist Havle de Hallgrimsson for instance, he started cello, went abroad to study, and then stayed abroad and became the principal cellist of the Edinburgh, uh, the Scottish Chamber Orchestra mm-hmm. in Edinburgh, and and has written lots for cello. I think he was one of these people that especially inspired me. He's from mm-hmm. Akureyri, which is like where my family's from. So it's it's just kind of, you know, one person starts and then the next, you know, kind of sees, oh, that person did that. I wonder, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you start to see the change in sort of right. possibilities. Even, you know, our principal cellist in the Iceland Symphony is a woman. Well, it was, was for a long time. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that as a sort of role model, it's a big, yeah. big deal. It's so interesting because you've said that it was a sort of backwards place, you know, living in sort of poverty. And, and, and now it's one of the most progressive countries in the world. Like they uh, outlawed paying a man more than a woman for a particular job. Mm-hmm. Like, so how, how did that happen? Was, do you think that it was just because of that, like, that sort of fast track into the 
20th century fast track into into the modern world that that caused that sort of progressiveness in, in both culture and music to, to happen? Well, I should say it's not fair to say that it was a backwards place before. You mm. know, yeah. Because certainly culturally, it's always been very rich. Mm. And mm-hmm. certainly we are of Scandinavian stock. Yeah. So we have that kind of sensibility and always have this kind mm. of equality. And it's always sort of been, I think, in, in, in our cultural heritage like that egalitarian exactly yeah interesting. so i think the main difference here is that we're such a small society that mm-hmm. change can happen fast mm-hmm. so right. if yeah. somebody has an idea and it sparks everybody does it right because everybody knows everybody else so you know it, you can see it even with fashion you yeah. know like Everybody's wearing the same thing, what you know, <laughs> like within like a week, yeah. you know, everybody has the same thing. I think it's an interesting place that uh-huh. way because it can swing so far and it's a very active place politically. I think people are much more aware mm-hmm. because it it impacts them so immediately. Yeah. Right. And you know people that are affected by every single law or, you know, and you it's just not as segmented. Mm-hmm. I think it's going in that direction, but... It, Historically, it has not been a segmented society because we're just not big enough. Right. Yeah. So it sounds kind of like living in a smaller, like in a, a smaller city. Yeah. Where, yeah. But we have our own government, our own currency, our own what? language, and our own culture. So. And it sounds like that makes you really like intellectually agile, like able to just sort of move. Yes. Huh. So interesting. And And I think... Being small, I mean, it can be very stifling, but it can also be really fascinating because yeah. someone always knows someone that is, you know, either your brother is in a rock band or you know someone that is a working as a biophysicist or, uh-huh. you know, whatever. So you, you're just much closer to a variety of ideas mm-hmm. and, and think and, t- and ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, even though it's small, it seems like then the connections between um, maybe disparate things become much more close. Yeah. So those boundaries are broken down very easily. I want to bring it back to the music mm-hmm. specifically for a minute. So, so just I'm I'm interested in learning about who some of the classical music luminaries like like who in Iceland I'm talking composers musicians conductors like like who are the the real standouts there well for me I mean besides I, you no like, <laughs> no not at all no no but it's from my perspective but one of the people that I think is making incredible contributions to the Icelandic music world is Daniel Bjarnason who I've known for a long time and sort of have seen him grow in incredible ways as a composer, as a conductor, and I've had the privilege of playing his music and and commissioning him. I think 
what he does incredibly well is bridge this sort of gap of any genre, sort of taking the contemporary and the classical and merging them in a way that is not just for the crossover appeal, uh-huh. but actually because they have a lot in common. Interesting. And actually what... Right, not like for the novelty of it, like, oh, look, it's it's a classical musician playing Radiohead. No. Right, let's bring people in with that, but like just because that happens to be, they happen to be close. Yeah. Huh. And because he's he's involved in that genre. I mean, he he's done string arrangements for Sigaros and like all these other yeah. bands wow. and, and like, you know, collaborated with these people. And then he takes what that inspires in him and puts it into his own music, which mm-hmm. is classically trained, maybe, or from from that world. I mean, it in Iceland that doesn't seem like two separate worlds because it is one world yeah. to us, right? And a lot of people, what we're seeing is that new classical music fans aren't coming from classical music from to you know via Mozart mm-hmm. or Bach. Mm-hmm. They're coming at it via bands like. Radiohead, uh-huh. Cigaros, like yeah. more soundscapey type worlds, yeah. which is what contemporary composers are doing, like classical composers are doing. Right. So that has more appeal to them. And then they go into Ligeti and then they go into... Start digging backwards. Exactly. And then they're like Schoenberg or they're like, whoa, Mahler, like, yeah. you know, Wagner, like, oh my God, you know, and That's then so they start to appreciate some of those older classical composers so they're sort of like starting with this music and then like backwards engineering the like how that happened yes like that's so interesting yeah that's um there's a name for that right like when you when you discover say a new writer and you start reading the writers that they've read and you kind of like yeah can't think of what the the word is but anyway that's really cool yeah well and it kind of answers my my next question which was given that like classical music is so new in iceland like for example when i'm thinking about people's the general population's relationship to classical music in the u.s mm-hmm. is that you know it's the old music and we've progressed toward more important contemporary music like taylor swift and Nothing against Taylor, of course. But, but like, you know, um, that, I think, is the prevailing attitude outside of the classical music world, which tends to be pretty closed off. It's kind of a little island in the world of music that's... that's um, there's not a natural relationship that the general population has with classical music. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like what you're saying is that in Iceland because this music is so sort of new and people are coming at it from this different angle, that that's not the case. Yeah, and I think groups like Nordic Affect mm-hmm. are playing on Baroque instruments, harpsichord, viol de gamba, mm-hmm. and they're playing new music on them. Cool. You know, like, because to them, that's, yeah, duh. Like, we don't, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want to make a con- contribution. And I definitely think that new music has become, I mean, not only do we play a lot of new music, but that's also kind of like what I was saying about the culture mm-hmm. is like, we started to ask ourselves, well, what is our culture in music? Because we don't have this lineage of the classical stuff. And so mm-hmm. we have to make it now. So now is our cultural, you know, we're, we're making, we're making right. it right now. It's happening yeah. now. So yeah. I, even I'm thinking of labels like Bedroom Community, yeah, which take sort of electronic composers like Ben Frost or mm-hmm. folk singer songwriters like Sam mm-hmm. Amidon mm-hmm. and Nico Muley and Daniel and uh, Nadia Sirota. Exactly. Yeah. And put people like that together and like... I've been on tour with them. You just play each other's music. You collaborate on each other's music. It's not a place where you're like, well, how do I play contemporary music on the cello? It's like, we're just all in it together, being creative and trying to express something deeper than just a sort of surfacey pop, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. song. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, like, I, I personally like the idea that music is just music. So, so, but, but how do you think that, I mean, that's like a nice idea, that sort of genreless way of thinking about music, but how has that had an impact on, on Icelandic music? What, like, what has that done for it? And also, like, how has this affected you as a musician personally? How are you playing differently? How has it affected your life? The world has turned its spotlight on Icelandic music and everybody's now interested in it, Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's given me some incredible opportunities, actually. So last year I premiered a new cello concerto mm-hmm. by an Icelandic composer, Pál Ragnar Pálsson. Mm-hmm. And also I've had this incredible luck where a lot of composers have been writing for me in mm-hmm. various for various projects and i mean the los angeles philharmonic just had this icelandic music festival where they commissioned cool. you know tons of pieces and brought everybody over and we you know play it all together that was last april and it's given icelandic musicians and composers just so much support to keep doing what they're doing mm-hmm. so part of that uh, is I want to share that with a wider audience. So I'm recording some of those pieces for solo cello as nice. well. So look out for a lot of Icelandic music. That's coming awesome. Out. I have so many other questions and things that I would like to ask you about. Iceland is totally fascinating. I'd like to talk all day, but somehow we're out of time. Oh, no. um, I know. <laughs> I, was, I was having a good time. Sayun Thorsten's daughter. Thank you so much for being in the studio today. I really My appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks this was really fun. Me. Yeah. yeah cool. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. For more Classroom, go to classicalclassroomshow.com. You can find everything you ever wanted to know about the show there, including ways to connect with us. Please do. You can email us at classicalclassroomshow at gmail.com. Thanks today to the home of Classical Classroom, King FM in Seattle, making sure that we don't leave the house without our coat on, even if it's warm outside. Thanks to our birthplace, Houston Public Media. Thanks to our official Sherpa, Sherpa Shelley. She sells Sherpa, so you don't have to. Thanks to Sayun Thorsten's daughter for being on the show. Thanks to me for saying words. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bless!
That's how you say bye in Icelandic. Isn't that cool? <laughs>